What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, let me ask you this. How many of you guys are doing fantastical to this evening? I just made that word up. I don't even know what it means. Oh, my goodness. It is so incredible to be here with you guys, to be teaching God's word to you guys. Listen, I don't know if you've realized this, but after our kickoff, I have not had the chance to come and speak to you guys. It's been Trevor and Oakley, and they've done an amazing job, but I'm so excited, so pumped to be here with you guys yet again. And this is a incredible, this is a historic night for us as we are excited to be doing something we've not done in this room before, and that is uh, some baptisms. And so we are so excited, and we'll get to that part of the night in just a little bit. Now, we've been in this series called what? Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. There, there have been people who have, who have asked me, like friends of mine who have seen us on Instagram, who have reached out to me from other parts of the country and said, wait, are you guys actually doing like teaching kids how to swim? And I was like, hey, yes, but not like that. Um, people thought we were actually doing like swim lessons in here. So if you don't know how to swim, come find me. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, our swim lesson series has been teaching us how to swim through what? Problems, life, okay, different situations, different scenarios. Last week, relationships, okay, I heard that in the front. And we've been learning how to navigate through everything that life throws at us because, you see, when we go through life, sometimes it makes sense. We can make it through. It's easy, and sometimes, oh, my goodness, it can be complicated. And so tonight, we're going to talk about a different aspect. Our message title for tonight, I'm so excited about this. Our message title for tonight, if you like this title, I need you to make some noise. Our message title for tonight is Sharks and Minnows. Have you, let me say this, it can't be everybody in the room, but who actually genuinely likes Sharks and Minnows? Raise your hand. It can't be everyone, okay? But it's amazing. It's the best game ever. Listen, let me tell you this. I don't know why this is, but pretty much the earliest childhood memories that I have involve <laughs> swimming. I just love swimming. And not just swimming, but specifically swimming in pools. Does anybody here have a pool? Raise your hand. Okay, you guys need to invite me over. I love pools, all right? I need you to understand this. Listen, I remember going to people's houses. Like, I literally can picture in my head right now, if I stopped and, like, we all got quiet for a second, like, watch. I literally can think of, like, six different pools in my head right now that I remember swimming in. And I remember the details about it. I remember which ones were, like, big and rectangular. I remember which ones were, like, circular, which ones had, like, the weird shapes, like the L-shaped ones, which ones had the jacuzzis attached to them, which one has the good diving board, which ones... Have you ever seen pools where it's just a rock and that's the diving board? There's like no spring action on that. You can't dive, I mean you can like fall in, but you can't like do a nice dive. Man, I remember pools that have chlorine, where it was like so bad that your eyes would get all like red and nasty. And I remember then there's like saltwater pools where you like, you taste it, you're like, what's going on in here? I just love pools. And as early as I can remember, I remember swimming in pools. And you see, it was interesting because in pools you play all kinds of games. How many people played Marco Polo in the pool before? Marco! <laughs> Dude, I used to cheat at that game all the time, all right? I, if the person was next to me, you, don't, you wouldn't say polo. They'd be like, Marco, I'd be like, you know, trying to float away. But I remember playing Marco Polo. I remember playing, we do handstands on the bottom of the pool, okay? Categories, categories. Categories? Categories, categories? I don't know. We have to pick, like, the ice cream flavors, right? 
or like all the colors, everything in one category, and you had to like jump and dive in and run. I love that. Here's why I like those games. Because unlike some other games I used to play growing up, those I was actually okay at. I was actually kind of good. You see, I had this skill. Once I learned how to swim, I had this skill, and that was that I could hold my breath for a long time underwater, and I could open my eyes. Now, when I turned like 13 or 14, I got contact lenses, couldn't open my eyes anymore. I tried one time. I literally swam with my eyes open the whole time. When I got to my friend's house, my eyes were so red, they were like, are you okay? We're worried about you. I went out to dinner with my mom. My eyes were so red and like watery. I didn't want to eat food, which is like a big deal for me. I didn't want to drink anything. I just wanted to like sit there miserably and like rip my eyes out. Okay, that's how bad it was. But before that, I used to jump in the water and I used to open my eyes and I was like, like a little fish, okay? So the premise of sharks and minnows is this. In the middle of the pool, there is a... Okay, and everybody else in the pool is a And so you usually start on one side of the pool, and typically the shark will say, all minnows in the water. The minnows jump in, and now your goal is to get from this side of the pool to the other side of the pool without getting tagged. If you get tagged, what happens? You become a shark. And so as the game progresses, there's more and more and more sharks and less and less and less minnows. Now, I remember this one time, I, I, I will never forget this. We were in Virginia. I don't know why we were in Virginia. We didn't go there often, but I was there with my family. We were there for some kind of like conference or retreat or something. And I literally remember there was probably like, like 10 to 15 like middle school, high school students, children playing this game of sharks and minnows. And I was on the side of the pool. And I, at this point, I didn't have contact lenses. I could open my eyes. I knew how to swim comfortably. I was super excited. And when the game started, I remember jumping in the pool, diving down to the bottom, swimming across the bottom, coming up towards the middle. When I got about halfway through, I turned up and looked, and I saw where the shark was. And he was so far away from me and so high up, I like smiled, and kept going over to this side, made it up, touched the side of the pool. I was still good. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So they said, all right, minnows in the water, round two. And I did the same thing. I went all the way down to the bottom of the pool, started to swim, I got to the bottom, Looked at all the sharks <laughs> and swam to the other side. And I did this over and over and over again until finally I was probably in the top three or top five left in the game. But you see, the game of sharks and Middleton twists. It changes and now it gets a little scary because now it's like three minnows and it's like a whole sea of sharks. And so I don't remember exactly what the outcome was, but I remember looking and staring in the pool and seeing all of these sharks and feeling like, wait, there's so many of you, and so little of us, what am I going to do? Now, I don't remember if I won, although probably. But the truth is this. Sometimes I feel like that today in our world and in our culture. And maybe you've experienced it like this. Not, not sharks and minnows, not talking about the game still. But maybe you've experienced where you feel like you're one of the only people doing something, and everybody else is doing something different. You don't have to raise your hand, but just think for a second, have you experienced that? Where, where you're the one who wants to make a decision, you're the one who wants to make a choice, and what stands against you is a sea of sharks, of people doing something different. You see, middle school and high school age, we were just talking about this the other day. It's such an intriguing, such an interesting age that so much of the time we're like, fitting in is such a big deal. Looking like everyone else, being like everyone else is such a big deal. And nobody wants to stand out. 
Nobody wants to be different. Nobody wants to go against the grain. No one wants to be tagged by the sharks. We all want to just swim upstream. We, want to, we all just want to do what everybody else is doing. But the truth is this, and this is where we're kind of camping out tonight, that is that if we are a follower of Christ, we will face persecution. If we are a follower of Christ, we will face persecution. Now, we're going to explain this word because persecution is a pretty big word. We're going to leave this on the screen so you can write it down or, or take a picture of it, put it in your notes. But if you're a follower of Christ, you will face persecution. Persecution is this. It's when you believe someone, something and somebody will come after you because of that belief. They will harm you because of your belief. Now, this word persecution, unfortunately, it kind of gets used in two kind of contexts. One is very extreme. That's its original context. You see, there's people in the scripture, in the Bible, who actually, because of their belief for Jesus, literally were killed, literally were beaten, were murdered, they were stoned. It's simply because they believed something, because they believed in Jesus, they were actually put to death. And not just in the Bible, this actually happens in some places on earth. Trevor and I were talking about this book. It's called The Book of the Martyrs. And it's this book, it's probably like this thick, like a regular sized book, like this thick, full of stories of people of the last couple hundreds of years who have followed Christ, and because of their following him, because of their belief in him, have been tortured or killed or put in jail. That's like the, the real definition of the word persecution. Most of us, everyone take a, di- a deep breath, a sigh of relief, take a deep breath. Very good, very good. Most of us, listen to this, most of us, we'll probably not face a persecution like that. That's just the reality. For us, a persecution is so much less. It's so much lighter. But you see, for us, persecution is somebody will probably tease us for what we believe. Maybe you've already experienced that. Maybe like, dude, story of my life. People tease me all the time. Okay, well, that's weird. That's because you put Oreos on top of your pizza, all right? No wonder they, they tease you make fun of you, okay? But I'm talking about something serious now. I'm talking about if we believe something with all of our heart and people will make fun of us and say, why do you do that? Why do you think that? Why do you say that? Why are you acting that way? And the truth is, if we are followers of Christ, if we belong to a church, if we have a relationship with God, if we go to school and we say that we are Christians, that we love Jesus, chances are that we will face times where people will tease us, or people won't understand our decisions, or it will be uncool, unpopular to do the right thing. And the truth is, that's okay. That's, that, that's what was gonna happen all along. In fact, Jesus says in, in John 15, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. John chapter 15. These are the words of Jesus. We're also gonna put it up on the screen just for time. But John 15, verses 18 and verses 19. This is Jesus speaking. He actually says this. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of it, therefore it hates you. Those are some strong words. But you see, Jesus is telling us before we've even started, before we've even started following him, before we've even become followers of him, it's written right here. He says, listen, if you want to be my followers... Some people aren't going to be happy with that. Some people aren't going to like your choices. Some people aren't going to like what you do. Some people aren't going to like how you act or don't act or what you don't say or what you decide not to do because it's wrong. You see, we're faced with choices as middle schoolers every single day. 
to make a decision for right or for wrong. And if we take a stand, you need to understand that sometimes people are gonna tease us, they're gonna make fun of us. We're gonna take a stand by ourselves. Maybe we'll have two or three minnows next to us, but we'll be staring at a whole sea of sharks that are against us. I wanna share with you guys tonight a story in Daniel chapter three. This is where we're gonna camp out most of the time. Daniel chapter three, it's, it's a book in the Bible. Go ahead and turn there, pull it up. Don't do anything on your phone other than look at the Bible, the Bible app where that will happen to you. I have no idea what that was. That scared me more than it scared you. Here we go. <laughs> Daniel chapter three. Are you guys still awake tonight? <laughs> Good night, Jimmy. All right, Daniel chapter three. Here we go, here we go. Now, I got to tell you something. As you're turning there, as you're looking there, Daniel chapter 3, a little known fact about myself. People call me Stallion, but my real name is? Daniel. Love it. When I was in middle school and high school, I thought to myself, my name is Daniel. There's a book in the Bible named Daniel. I should probably read it. And so I read it one time, and I was like, whoa. There's some incredible stories in this book. My favorite book of the Bible. And actually, I'll be honest with you guys. I read this and reread it and reread it probably like, like, 10 times when I was in middle school and high school because it was so encouraging to me because of stories like the one that we're going to look at tonight. Are you ready for this story? Say yes. Yes. Okay, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. We're talking about taking a stand for God. Sharks, minnows, here we go. Verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, everyone say that three times fast. Beautiful. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was of 60 cubits. Its breadth was of 60 cubits. You already know this about me. I'm so bad at math. 18 inches, 45 centimeters. Who knows how big it was? It was huge, okay? He made this ginormous statue. It said he set it on the plain in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justice the magistrates, all of the officials of the province to come and to dedicate the image that the king had set up. He makes this giant statue. He calls everyone to come take a look at it. Verse 3, all of the, the officials, will just say that, the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, justice, magistrates, all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image. Verse 4, he commanded or Harold proclaimed, someone who was announcing this proclaims on behalf of the king, you are commanded, listen to this, peoples, nations, languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, every kind of music, we don't even have some of these instruments anymore. He says, when you hear the sound, you will too, listen to this, verse five, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Verse six, whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now I want to set the, set the stage for us because we're about to find out about three Jewish people named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I did not pick those names. Those are their actual names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young people, young Jewish people who were living in Babylon during their exiles. They were sent there. They had been conquered by Babylon. The Jewish nation had been conquered by, by King Nebuchadnezzar, and he had these people living there, and he picked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, although he's not in this story, we're not sure why. He picked these three young people to serve in a special capacity for them. Now, these people would have known the Ten Commandments, and the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods before you. 
That's, that's, that's like rule number one. That's the beginning. That's the start. Boom. That's, if you're Jewish, you know that. No other gods. And King Nebuchadnezzar puts up this, this giant, humongous image, an altar. Does anyone know commandment number two? Of the Ten Commandments? You show what? Any of the adults? Commandment number two? Putting them on the spot tonight. <laughs> you shall have not any graven image, okay? King Nebuchadnezzar puts in this high mountain, this ginormous statue, gold and bronze. Some people think it was an image of himself. And he calls everyone, all the officials, everyone who's around, come, everyone, come here, come here. Everyone, come see the statue, come, everyone, come on, let's go. And he gets everyone to himself. He says, listen, when the music goes off, when we drop the bass, okay, every pipe, every horn, every bagpipe, the lyre, every people, things we don't even have anymore. He says, when all of this music drops, he goes, I need you guys to bend down to your knees in worship of this idol. Now, do you see the problem? The Jewish people were commanded to have no other gods, no other idols, no other images. And the king just said, when the music goes off, I need you to bow down. And he says, and by the way, if you don't bow down, what did he say was going to happen? You're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. He didn't say you're coming over for, for s'mores and a bonfire. He said you're getting thrown in, physically taken, thrown into a fiery furnace. This is a huge problem. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a decision to make. Verse 8 Sorry, verse 7, it says that when the people heard this, they all bowed down. Verse 8 says there were certain Chaldeans, there were other leaders. They maliciously accused the Jews, verse 9, declaring to the king, O king, live forever. You have made a decree that every man should bow down, verse 11. Whoever does not fall down and worship, they shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. In verse 12, they say there are certain Jewish men who you have appointed to be in charge of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was furious, enraged, and he commanded these men be brought to him, and he says to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship this golden image that I've set up? Now, when you're ready, I'm gonna give you a second chance. He says, I don't know if you misunderstood. I don't know if you think that this was like optional. I don't know if you think that you're like better than somebody else. He goes, but, but, but maybe you missed the cue when, when the music goes off, you need to bow. He goes, so listen, you're in charge of things for me. You're, you're my dogs. You guys are like, like leaders in the land. I'm gonna give you a second chance. And so he gives a second time where the music goes in verse 15. He says, if you're ready, when you hear the sound, you need to bow down and worship. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is this God that will deliver you out of my hands? You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are at a huge turning point because they said to themselves, listen, we follow God. We are Jewish people. We love God. We should have only him as God, no other gods, no other images. And yet you're asking us to bow down in front of this golden image. You're asking us to break a command that God has given us. You see, they had this belief, they had this conviction that what was being asked of them was against what God's word was saying. Guys, we face these kind of things all the time. You see, whenever somebody asks us to do something that is contrary to scripture, 
we are in that same position. Whenever that somebody asks us to do something that is wrong, we are in that same position. And listen, I was in high school and middle school uh, for, like a good number of years ago, but I know that certain things don't change. I know that there's still cheating that goes on during tests and quizzes and exams. Now, I know that there's still people who are going to encourage you to do stuff inappropriate, whether it be in the bathroom or, or during break or after sports. I know there's people that, that are trying to get you to try things that you shouldn't be trying. I know that there's people that are going to influence you to think, to say certain things, and act in certain ways that are disobedient to your parents, to your leaders. This happens to us all the time. We are like that minnow facing the sharks all the time. They have different names. They look differently. They're called sins. They're like idols. You see, whenever we, we desire something of the world over God, it's like we're creating an idol in front of us. If we worship material things, if all we can think about, if all we can spend our money on, if all we can, can put our energy and consume our time and thought is on material stuff, on clothes, on games, on accessories, on friendships, on food, on whatever it is, if we put something before God, that is an idol. If we're worried because we're in middle school that we just want to fit in and look like everybody else, therefore let's not make any waves, therefore let's not do this, therefore let's not do that. If we find ourselves making decisions to just fit in and be like everybody else, then we are allowing these idols to creep up in our lives. We're allowing these things to come up before a walk in relationship with God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are faced here where they're about to get killed. Most of us will probably not face this. That someone's gonna be like, hey, do you love Jesus? And if you do, I'm gonna kill you. Most of us won't go through these things. It's possible. But here where we live in the United States, in South Carolina, most likely we will not face these type of things. All we're gonna face is maybe someone teasing us. Maybe someone making fun of us. Maybe someone calling us God squad. Or maybe someone saying, oh, do you go to that church? But we still need to be willing to take a stand. I love the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, they say, we have, we have no need to answer you on this matter. But verse 17, it says this. Regardless, it says, if it be so, if we're going to answer you, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now listen to verse 8. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. You see, King Nebuchadnezzar said, who's going to help you? Who's going to free you? Is your God going to come and protect you? And they say, yes, he's powerful enough. He can protect us. He can deliver us. And in verse 18, they say, but if not. But even if he doesn't protect us. Even if he doesn't come deliver us, even if he doesn't come and heal us, even if he doesn't come save us from the situation, still, because of our belief and our love for God, we will not bow. This is beautiful. They're not worried about those consequences because their love and their conviction for their pursuit of God is so strong. As the story continues... King Nebuchadnezzar plays the music. They don't bow down. He gets so mad. He says, I need you to take the furnace. I need you to crank it up seven times. He makes it seven times hotter than it normally is. He takes Shadrach. He takes Meshach. He takes Abednego. He has these mighty men come here. They tie them up. They tie them so tight so they can't escape. They can't wiggle. They can't move. 
They go and they throw them into the fiery furnace. The furnace is so hot that it says that the guys who threw them in actually got burned. Like the guys who were like in charge of throwing them in, they get harmed from the fire. And while they're in the fire, everyone starts to look around. They start to look in. They start to see what's going on. And King Nebuchadnezzar starts to spot and notice that he sees four people in the furnace. He literally looks in. He's like, how, how many did we throw in there? And they were like, three. He's like, I see four. I don't understand. And so he tells them to come out. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out, and they're unharmed. It says in Scripture that, 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 that the, the, the hair on their skin wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't burnt. Their, their jacket, their hat, it actually goes through these details. It says nothing was burned. It says they didn't even smell like smoke. Have you ever gone to the bonfire? And you smell like smoke the next day. And then like you forget your jeans in the corner. You go to put them on like a week later. And you're like, oh, man, they still smell like smoke. Like they didn't even smell like smoke. They were inside of a fire. And, and, and God himself or an angel came and saved them, delivered them from this. But you see, what was interesting is they were willing to take a stand for what they believed. They were willing to take a stand. Everybody was bowing. Everybody was going against God. Everyone was worshiping an idol. And they were the only ones willing to say, no, time out, pause, wait. I want to take a stand. You see, each and every one of us are faced with this choice every single day. We can take a stand or we can do what every other single person is doing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I want to put this up on the screen and read it with you guys and we'll close with this verse. It says, nobody can serve two masters for either, either you will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now here Jesus is talking about God and he's talking about money, he's talking about the love of money, but the idea is true for whatever. We can't serve two masters because what happens? One master will tell us to do something and the other master will tell us to do something that goes against it and then what? Where do we go? Which way do we move? How do we decide? We can only serve one master. We have to decide, hey, we're either in or we're out. We're either committed or we're not. We're either following Jesus or we're not. And you see, when we follow Jesus, we have to understand that there's going to be some times where what we decide, because of our belief in Jesus, because of our love for him, because of our following of, of Scripture, our choices aren't always going to make us the popular person. And that's okay. Our choices, if we follow him, we're not always going to do what every other, one, every other person does. And that's okay. When everyone else is going to a party, when everyone else is getting into trouble, when everyone else is lying, when everyone else is, is using bad language, when everyone else is trying to vape, we may be taking a stand and we might be the only ones. People might look at us and be like, what is wrong with you? Why don't you do this? I remember in school, there's this one season, I'm so bad at math, but I love geometry. And I remember I was good at geometry. And this teacher had explained something about geometry that nobody understood, and for some reason it just clicked for me. We had a big test coming up, and my friends expected me to help them cheat. I was the only one who knew how to do the problems. And they're like, all right, Stav, you gonna help us, man? You gonna help us? I was like, no, no. Like, no, come on, man, we need help. Listen, I, I went through like the worst week of my life because on a Monday or a Tuesday, I decided to not help these students cheat on a test, and they were mad at me the whole entire week. I was not popular. No one was happy with me. No one was cool with me. They were ticked. They called me weird names. 
but that's okay. When we follow Christ, we might be by ourselves, or maybe we have two or three friends next to us. We might be like those little minnows staring down a line full of sharks. There might be all these different idols. Maybe it's popularity. Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's just trying to fit in and look like everybody else. But if we're dedicated and committed to following Christ, then everything else doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Our walk with Christ is what truly matters. And tonight, we're so excited because some people have decided, and a lot of people in this room have made this decision, but tonight, some people have decided to display that publicly through baptism. You see, Scripture says that our walk with Christ is an inside, an inward decision that we make. But one of the ways that we're able to show it to people is through an outside proclamation, through, through, through showing it to others through baptism. And many of us have done this before, and, and if you've never been baptized, we'll have chances in the future to do this. But tonight, we want to celebrate some students who have decided publicly to say, my, my walk, my relationship with God is more important than what's cool and what's not cool. It's more important than fitting in. And instead, I want to show it in front of everyone. I want to tell everyone I've decided to follow Jesus. I want to have a walk and a relationship with him. I want to show this through baptism. And so tonight, my challenge for you, we're going to sing a song and then we'll have our baptisms. But my challenge to you tonight is as we pray, as we get ready for this, would you consider your own decision? Would you consider your own choice? What does your life look like day after day after day? Are you taking a stand for Christ? Are you willing to live and decide based on what Scripture says? Or are you allowing the view of others, are you allowing the sharks in the water to scare you into submission, into doing something different, and to not doing what God has asked of you? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for all these students and the parents and leaders in this room. I thank you, Father God, for this great opportunity that we have tonight to come and hear from your word. And I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be encouraged tonight by the story of Shadrach, of Meshach, and Abednego, who are willing to take a stand even to the point of, of being threatened and, and, and thrown into a fiery furnace, to say, I love Jesus so much that it's the most important thing for me. I don't care what others think. I don't care what others say. I don't care how others will treat me differently. I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart. I want to follow Jesus with everything inside of me. I want to follow Jesus no matter what. And I pray, Lord, you give us the strength to follow through in the promise, follow through on the decision, the choice that we've made to be your servants, to be your followers. Lord Jesus, come and speak to our hearts tonight. We love you, Father. We ask for all this in your mighty name. Amen.